strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Ring. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800 State Farm. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up! Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! Three weeks and a day away from NFL Draft 2023. And Ron Wolfley, just let the insanity wash over you. I mean, this week alone, we've already heard that Houston might take Will Anderson number two overall. <laughs> they might do it. They just might, might do it, Paul. They're just crazy enough they might do it. An anonymous league personnel man tells Peter King, the Titans are exploring the possibility of trading up to number three. Hello, Monty. The Raiders are taking Bryce Young to dinner this week. Why? When they pick number seven. <laughs> the Cardinals supposedly, reportedly, allegedly, might just release DeAndre Hopkins. Somebody sound the lie detector on that one. And my favorite, Ron Wolfley, are the reports out there, the anecdotal evidence that Jets fans are already booking flights and hotels for Vegas for Super Bowl 58, <laughs> February 2024. And with that, on, we say, Paulie. welcome into the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi here, Ron Wolfley right there. Paulie, I, of everything you just said right there, I, I thought of one thing, and that one thing is tis the season is it not yes draft subterfuge here it comes coming your way believe nobody paulie at this point in time that is true in fact you know what let's just get enrolled right now we got albert breer who from some reason i don't know if albert breer if 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 he's on some sort of mission to uh, drive down the value of deandre hopkins a week ago he came out and said, oh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, league personnel people are telling me that he might not command much more than Brandon Cooks, a fifth rounder, a sixth rounder. Now this week, here's what Albert Breer says about Hop's future in the AZ. Some teams think they're going to cut him. I think the Cardinals are going to wind up cutting him. His market is not great right now. And mm-hmm. even for teams like, say, like Kansas City, like Kansas City would need him to take a significant pay cut. Yeah, he'd have to be like, take the Smith-Schuster deal from like right, a year ago. Right, right. So... I clearly there's nobody that was willing to take on the contract and pay the Cardinals initial price. Your reaction to that? You know, Bully, the first thing I thought of is, does he know Monty Ossenfort? <laughs> does he know Monty Ossenfort? And the reason why I say that, Paulie, is because do you remember the Rodney Hudson situation? Do you remember How what so? the Raiders did? Think of what the Raiders did. Remember the, the that story came down that the Raiders were going to cut 
Rodney Hudson. That's right. And we were all we yes. were all shocked. What are you talking about? They're going to cut Rodney Hudson. I think they did this. This is what I believe. I think they let that story out. They leaked that story. The Raiders themselves, because they wanted every GM in the league to go. Whoa! whoa what do you mean you're going to cut him? We don't need. We don't want you to. No, don't do that. What if I give you a fourth round pick for him? What if I give you a fi- What if I give you a third round pick for Rodney Hudson? We don't want you to cut him because he's going to clear waivers with his contract, and then he's going to become a free agent. And if that means we're going to have to bid against other teams for that guy's services, Paulie, this makes me think maybe Monty Austin-Fort and the Arizona Cardinals, is it possible they're leaking this story out there to let it be known? Hey, listen, if you're thinking about DeAndre Hopkins at all, you know what, you might want to be able to negotiate with him on a one-on-one basis as opposed to a free agent. Does you know, that make sense, Paul? You know what? It's just as plausible as anything else that's being thrown out there. In fact, I think there's a lot more thought behind your rationale and your theory than maybe some of the other stuff that is out there. Reports have said the Cardinals gave Team D-Hop, DeAndre Hopkins and his new agent, the ability to talk to other teams, to explore right, Paul. another contract. So. There now, has, why, Paulie? Ask yourself, why would they do that? There's a willingness would, to try yes. by the team to see if, okay, maybe a deal could be had, a contract could be had. Sort of like the Sean Payton in reverse. You go out and negotiate the contract, then we'll figure out the value in exactly, return. Exactly, Paul. That's exactly it. And why would a team want to do that? Why? Would, well, because they have a one-on-one conversation going with DeAndre Hopkins as opposed to five other teams that might actually be interested in him and driving his price up. When you say other teams, you say five teams. And you know what? I think it is five. I think it's Kansas City. I think it's New England. I think it's Tennessee. I think it's Baltimore. And I think it's the Giants. I think those Mm. are the five teams. And I would say to those five teams, and you know what? I'm going to tap the mic just to make sure I have their attention. Have you seen this year's draft class? It is very shallow draft pool when it comes to receiver. All the free agent wide receivers have been picked over, and guess what? Denver and Sean Payton just said, guess what? We're not trading Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. They're off the market. So good luck with a plug-and-play wide receiver in this draft. When a couple of years ago, remember our stat? The yes. worst hit rate for any rookie position group in recent history and memory in the draft is always wide receiver at less than 20%, even round one guys. Uh, they are, there is always that learning curve of receivers. So... I think the Cardinals do have that. That's why Ian Rappaport came out and said, quote, I would be surprised if DeAndre Hopkins was released. Now, if he's <laughs> traded, guess what? His salary will be adjusted. End report, Ian Rappaport. Once again, Bully, here's your assignment right here. Are you ready for your assignment? Here we go. Paul? I'm writing your, this down. Your assignment is you need to find out if Monty Ossenford has any type of relationship with Albert Breer. <laughs> okay? You need to figure that out right there. Is Ossenford kind of leaking this stuff to Albert Breer, Bully? That's what you got to get to. The, get to the bottom of that story, and then you'll know what's going on. Because with Rodney Hudson, all of a sudden the Raiders came out and let it be known. And it wasn't right away. They let it be known. No, no, no. We're not, we're not going to cut Rodney Hudson. And sure enough, there it was. The Arizona Cardinals made a deal. I think this is a way to get teams lining up at the door just to make a phone call. Teams that may not have actually called the Cardinals yet. Just saying, whoa, whoa, hey, what, what will it take for us to get them out one-on-one? What will it take? You know, I, I think this is a way to drum up interest and 
Albert Breer, whether he knows Monty Ossenford or not, this is actually helping the Arizona Cardinals because I think there are teams that would call and say, well, well, before you do that, what would it take? All right, so if they're not lining up for DeAndre Hopkins, are they going to be lining up? Maybe they're already for number three overall. And you know our motto around here, AZ needs three, meaning three quarterbacks. And then guess what? The sweepstakes are on. Is that third quarterback to go with C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young? Could it be Anthony Richardson? Well, we asked Drew Stan about that this week on the Red Sea Report. No, he's not a franchise quarterback. Uh, <laughs> for multiple reasons. The completion percentage is, is extremely alarming. That's the starting point. The other point that you get to is the question marks are too large from the standpoint of he's at Florida. You look at his college record of what he was able to accomplish, and you couple that with the the subpar completion percentage. What makes you think that when he gets to an NFL team that he's going to be able to flip the script and do that? It's Trey Lance all over again. 13 career college starts. Trey Lance, Anthony Richardson. And all the measurables are there. All the upside is there. You don't have the production or the college film that you want to see at the NFL level. But will somebody take a chance? Will somebody make the Cardinals an offer they can't refuse in number three for Anthony Richardson? Yes. You think yes, so? Yes, Paulie. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, I think Drew is right, and I said this about Anthony Richardson myself, that I don't think An- Anthony Richardson is a first-round pick. I don't believe that. Now, his, his stats, there's no doubt about it in terms of his traits and his physical um, size and athleticism. Of course, he is. He's a first-round pick, but... If you're talking about quarterback, I don't think he's a first-round pick. I think he's probably a second- or a third-round pick. But, Paulie, that's not the way it works in the National Football League. History will tell you right now that there are people that will come up and believe that Anthony Richardson is a franchise quarterback, especially when you talk about today's new offense and the new-age offense that is permeated and the fact that Jalen Hurts, of course, just how much Jalen Hurts has influenced the rest of the league offensively. I think there are a lot of people that believe Anthony Richardson is is Cam Newton all over again, except a, a better deep ball thrower than Cam Newton. So he's going to get a shot. I think there is going to be somebody that is going to fall in love with Anthony Richardson, and they're going to want to move up to number three. And I think that somebody could be the Colts. There are reports out there, speaking of Jalen Hurts, that Shane Steichen, the Colts' new head coach, sees Anthony Richardson potentially as, quote, a supercharged version of Jalen Hurts. <laughs> right. And the guy who developed Jalen Hurts from the second-round pick to second-team All-Pro behind Patrick Mahomes could be the coach in waiting for an Anthony Richardson. <laughs> and we know Jim Irsay, the owner, has already been on record several times. Yes, saying there are, there are three or four quarterbacks in this draft. So just maybe, just maybe. The plan we've all thought about all along is that Indy comes up one to get their guy, in this case, Anthony Richardson, and the Cardinals get their guy, Will Anderson, and some extra picks. We'll see. That's yeah. still very, very viable, I would say. Yeah, Paul, have we seen NFL teams – reach for quarterbacks in the first round before every year nearly. <laughs> yes we have seen that right there there are some people out there paulie that will tell you right now there are some scouts that say hey you know what uh cj stroud is no slam dunk mm. they'll they'll even say that about bryce they'll say bryce young is no slam dunk either you know i mean 
Look, um, there are a lot of teams in the NFL that are desperate for a franchise quarterback, and unfortunately for them, that desperation makes them take chances. Think about it. It wasn't that long ago. 2017, what did the Bears do? They moved up from 3-2. to two. Yep. Why? To take Mitchell Trubisky. Yes! And they gave up. To move up one spot, they gave up number three overall, as the Niners only had to move down one. They gave up an extra third-round pick, an extra fourth-round pick, and then a third-round pick the next season. How about two years ago, 2021? Trevor Lawrence went one. Zach Wilson, number two. And then what did the Niners do? They traded three first-round picks to move up to number three for Trey Lance. Yes. So, look, you're absolutely right. History says there's a real good chance, better than not, of it happening, and the Cardinals moving down to at least number four and cashing in the quarterback quotient. We'll see. Check out the latest episodes of the Dave Pash Podcast via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at PashPod. By the way, Darren Urban going to join us in this edition of the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert as we roll on. Every day I ask Monty, I'm like, Monty, what you doing with that pick? What you doing with that pick? He's like, you know what I'm doing with that pick. I, I don't know what you're doing with that pick. But a lot of flexibility, I think, that we have with that because of where we're at. And uh, I know he's got all the different options, how he wants to do things and what we're looking to get out of the certain options if he chooses to move out of it. What does he mean by that exactly? Monty Austin Ford, when he answers Jonathan Gannon with, you know what I'm going to do with that pick. Well, we're here to fill in the blanks. This edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley. And now joined by Cardinals insider and attendee at the NFL owners meetings, Darren Urban is on board. And uh, Darren, that was a comment made to NFL Network at the owners meetings. So, gentlemen, when Jonathan Gannon poses that question, Imani Ford says, you know what I'm doing with that pick. Multiple choice here. Either A, you're taking Will Anderson. B, you're trading away because somebody wants a quarterback. Is there a C? Yes. What would C be? A trade down with the Colts and still draft Will Anderson. <laughs> okay. Paul, that, that is the best way to go. You and I both know it. Okay. So, uh, Darren, what do you think? Can we read anything into that soundbite? Have the Cardinals already decided, for example, what they're doing with number three overall based on that response? Well, I mean, to be honest, Paul, based on that response – the answer could be exactly what you just said. If Monty's telling him, you know what I'm going to do with that pick, it could be we're either trading down or taking Will Anderson. And and again, we don't know for sure if it's going to be Will Anderson. Everybody's making that guesstimate. Um, but I, I don't think they know for sure what's going to happen. There's a possibility, yes, that Monty Ford has been has talked to teams already and has an idea of a potential trade on the clock that somebody said we will do this if this is the scenario so maybe he does have an idea that a trade could happen um but my guess is ultimately this is going to be about what is happening in those 10 minutes that the cardinals are on the clock after houston (laughs) makes their pick and the cardinals are on their clock and and they're going to know uh you know hey do we want to take will anderson for example or is somebody going on trade up for whoever might be there, whatever quarterback that might be? 
And by the way, you know, if those rumors and reports are true that the Texans are truly taking crazy pills and they might take Will Anderson number two overall instead of a franchise quarterback, that's not a bad thing for the Arizona Cardinals in my (laughs) estimation. Because, Wolf, that means Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud is on the board, and that's why the Cardinals hang on to number three until draft night, just in case. And they because what happens and what are teams willing to trade you if one of those two marquee elite quarterbacks is still on the board at three? That's where you really might cash it in. Yeah, you know, Polly, there, there's a rumor that is out there right now that I tend to believe the Tennessee Titans and the fact that Tennessee Titans are sitting there and they're looking at Anthony Richardson at number three and thinking to themselves, man, can you imagine how beautiful that would be for Anthony Richardson to be handing the ball off to Derrick Henry, <laughs> right? Behind that offensive line in this offense where we use an awful lot of 12 personnel, two tight ends, we're going to hammer the ball. Anthony Richardson is is so alluring to a Tennessee Titans team. I think that um, I am more convinced than ever. The Arizona Cardinals are going to have a decision to make. Are you going to draft Will Anderson at number three, or are you going to move down? And I still believe the Indianapolis Colts are big players in this, too. It's funny you bring up the Titans because the reality is, given where Derrick Henry is in his career and where Anthony Richardson is going to be in his career, the, the chances of them playing together significant amounts of years is probably very limited. But I understand what you're saying if you're the Titans and you're eventually going to want to run the ball uh, with somebody beyond Derrick Henry. Um, you know, maybe that's a possibility. I, I, think, I think it would benefit the Cardinals greatly if that Titans rumor continues to gain steam because then you do potentially ramp up the pressure on the Colts to make some kind of deal. But um, I, I don't know. Hey. I, I don't think anything's been decided you know what the titans need almost as much as a future franchise quarterback wide receiver one so throw throw deandre hopkins into it and make it a massive trade package and figure it all out monty and his former team that might come to fruition maybe just maybe we do know jonathan gannon has other things to worry about like oh as a first-time head coach getting the offseason program rolling getting the voluntary veteran minicamp going as well here's drew stan former cardinals quarterback on the red sea report when we were talking about the importance of the offseason work there's a lot to be said for the continuity that's built. When you can just kind of come together and you start building what this roster is going to look like and guys just interacting and playing golf, and those are the things that you look for that you are excited about of being back around your guys because, again, when the season starts, you have to rely on everybody in that locker room, and, and there's a constant evaluation process that will begin as soon as you step foot in this building. And for the vast majority of us, you are surviving each and every year to keep your job. And don't think for a second that the new coaches, the new decision makers, aren't looking at those players on the field and trying to make an assessment. It's the first time they're seeing them in person out on that practice field. Drew told a story when he was first in the league, and Wolf, you remember, if you had a new coach and you had one of these off-season minicamps, it might as well be training camp because everybody on that field is trying to show the new coach, I'm worthy of sticking and staying on this team. And I think first and foremost, guys, would be Isaiah Simmons. What exactly is his future? Does he have something to show, Wolf, in your estimation? Can he show anything in the month of April? Have they already looked at the film and made their decision on his future? Because a decision is due 
by May 2nd. Yeah, no, that is that is great, Kat. That's a great question right there, Polly. I don't know how to answer that. I do know this right now. It depends what their culture is. I know that Jonathan Gannon has got a belief as to what kind of team he wants to have and what kind of player he wants walking around that locker room, walking around the facility building, the weight room, modeling that kind of culture. I know he's got that in his mind. I, I would... Boy, I would want to talk to Isaiah Simmons. I would want to sit down with Isaiah Simmons. I would want to watch him work. I would want to, I would want to see him in the strength and conditioning programs and maybe in a meeting room and how he goes about his business and whether or not he's actually watching the tape and understanding our offense and our terminology. I would want all of that exposure to him before you made your mind up as to what you were going to do on that May 2nd date. You can get a conversation in potentially, although for, for me, there, there was two things here. First of all, at the owners meeting, Jonathan Gannon didn't get specific, but when he did talk about Isaiah Simmons getting good news on his health, he tapped his shoulder. Isaiah Simmons did seem to hurt his shoulder in the season finale last year. So my question is, maybe good, good news is good news, but we don't even know if he's going to be able to do anything on the field at the end of April. And even if he is... I'm not 100% sold that you're going to be able to see anything in that short amount of time to make let you make a decision on that. I mean, I think you're going to have to make this decision on the option uh, or the, the fifth-year option completely based on tape. That's my guess. And, and, a, and a conversation or two. Yes. True. But, yes. but in terms of the football part of it, I don't, I don't think you're going to get anything uh, worth uh, making a complete choice on. On that option. You know what, though, D? I think, honestly, you're going to give him the, the ability to actually show you he understands the game of football as well, right? You're, you're going to be able to I mean, to if you talk. talk to him? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I, I Again, you can have a conversation, but yeah. that's an $11 million conversation. I, like, I know. Well, how long are you going to talk to him to decide that you want to give him a, a 11 or $12 million? Yeah. There, no. There's, that that I, would be I, a pretty intense conversation, Wolf. Yeah, but I, I think you also have to understand just what kind of football player, what kind of mentality is sitting in front of you right now. Do you think he could actually play at the edge? Do you think, where, where, do, you, where do you project him? playing in your defense what what is his comprehension level of your defense and whether or not i i think they're going to want to talk to him your point is well taken there's no doubt about that um i could see them passing on the may 2nd and just saying prove it and guys can i just tell you this right now there's a little piece of me that wants to see how isaiah simmons would respond to that happening to where they don't pick up his fifth-year option, and they say, you know what, this is why we're not, Isaiah. Prove us wrong. I would love to see it. You know, Darren, you've asked several questions about Isaiah Simmons, not a lot of answers. Last month I asked Jonathan Gannon, have you decided which position group he's going to be with? Because he, he spent all of last season starting January of 22 in the safeties room. Right. Uh, they said no, that had yet to be determined or at least announced. Do you think there will be enough going on in the field to find enough for us to tell and discern what they think of Isaiah Simmons. Is he a defensive back? Is he a linebacker? Is he an edge player? Are we going to get an answer to that just visually out at some of these? Because it's amazing. Kyle Vandenbosch, I asked him in a recent edition of the Red Sea Report, a guy who played the edge position at a very high level, do you think that Isaiah Simmons has it in him? And he said absolutely he has the ability to play the edge. 
But Wolf, we've asked other guys who play the position, and they're yeah. dubious that he can make that conversion to an edge guy. So I don't know if we're going to know anything more in the month of April, I guess is my question. That's why I want to talk to him and see what kind of mentality he has. By the way, did you see that Sean Payton and what he said about Denver and what they're going to do starting effective immediately? The last year, the Broncos didn't run a very competitive training camp. They weren't in very good physical shape, he said. They didn't have much nine-on-seven or one-on-one drills. Sean Payton is going to institute all of the above. (laughs) Why do I think Jonathan Gannon might do the same with the Arizona Cardinals? We continue with the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Goes Dalton on first down. Fires over the middle. The ball is tipped into the air and it's picked off at the 30-yard line. Running left to the 20. Marco Wilson to the 10. He high steps and then he does a flip into the end zone for the touchdown. Marco Wilson with a pick six. And the Cardinals take the lead. 20 to 14. Boy, did you see Marco Wilson elevate on that? <laughs> Dude that touchdown flip. What was kind of funny is they're showing. The camera angle of Andy Dalton being upset, and in the background, you can see Wilson launching into the air like it's just part of the background. It looks quite humorous. Passion Wolf on the Arizona Cardinals radio network, and it was instantaneous. Just the meme, just the viral video of Andy Dalton, the ISO, and in the background, there's an airborne Marco Wilson doing a full front flip. Just unbelievable athleticism as he punctuated the pick six. Honestly, guys, Darren Urban, Ron Wolfley, yours truly, Paul Calvisi here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. Probably the the thing that instantaneously, if anything, from last season brings a smile to my face. It might be that moment right there, Wolf. <laughs> Just Marco Wilson and the no, way he Paul, punctuated it. Yeah, Paulie, especially the meme <laughs> that came out, right, and how popular that meme was oh, and how gosh. great that so was. Look, yeah. That was incredible. All right, so Marco Wilson is among the cornerbacks still standing, still on the roster. Antonio Hamilton is in that cornerback room as we speak, a one-year uh, deal he just did. Christian Matthew, the seventh-round rookie from last year. Nate Harrison, right? Rashad Fenton, who was added from the Kansas City Chiefs most recently. He has a ring. But in terms of being a need, I mean, this isn't a want, Ron Wolfley. This is a need still in the offseason, is it not, cornerback? Yeah, Polly, there's no doubt about a cornerback, and unfortunately, in the National Football League, it's a need, period. There are a lot of teams out there that are looking for corners, of course. One good thing is Marco Wilson. I think Marco Wilson had an excellent season last year. I'm looking for Marco Wilson to take that next step forward here in his development as an NFL corner right now. I think there's no denying the fact that he's got all the talent you could possibly want. He's got the athleticism. He's got the skills. He's played very, very good. He just needs to be more consistent from game to game and I would say month to month. You know, a lot of these players, rookies especially, take that big jump from year one to year two. I wouldn't be shocked, Aaron Urban, if Marco Wilson took a big jump from year two to year three because he started almost his entire rookie year. And he admittedly said that, you know what, he kind of thought he arrived. <laughs> and, and he made that comment a couple of times in a couple of honest moments. And he had sort of a slow start to last season, came on in the second half, and I think it continues in year three. I, I think that's the bet that the Cardinals are making, uh, in part. Um, I mean, they've always been high on what Marco Wilson could be. They felt like they got a steal 
in the fourth round when they got him. The measurables are elite. Um, and I do think there was a little bit of growing up that had to do with that with when Mark Wilson and and that that happens. You know, it's funny when guys get on the field, and I'm sure Wolf knows all about this. Um, although I don't really remember what his rookie year was like, but I mean, when you <laughs> when when you put a guy out there and. Everybody always gets upset when these draft picks come in and they don't start right away. And one of the things the coaches always say is, well, they got to be able to earn it. And people get frustrated, well, you're picking this guy, why isn't he why isn't he in the lineup? Well, this is why. Because when for whatever reason they do end up having to start, there's that chance that they didn't really have to earn it. And then they feel like they don't have to put in the work and they feel like they've arrived and that's what coaches are trying to avoid. And I, you know, there's a learning curve for everybody. And I think Marco Wilson has negotiated it pretty well these first two years. And I, I do think, I mean, it's crucial that he, he's well. I mean, he's going to be a starter. I don't care if you end up picking a cornerback in the first round or you find yep. a decent veteran. He's going to be one of your starters. You need him to play well. Look, the ideal scenario was Antonio Hamilton is cornerback three or maybe even cornerback four. That that's how, And especially in the absence of a Byron Murphy, who didn't play a lot of last season, especially the second half of last season, you got to figure this out. So, okay, you have Marco Wilson, who was rookie year, beat out Malcolm Butler. Once again, he has all the talent in the world. The good news for the Cardinals is this is a very deep cornerback class historically. Mm. In fact, I read earlier today, Wolf, that they think that there are cornerbacks with starter traits going into day three of this draft. Wow. That's how deep this is. And if, for example, the Cardinals do trade out a number three and they end up around seven, if they end up at a number 11 from Tennessee, I would not be shocked if they went cornerback with their first pick in this draft. That's how good some of these guys are. You know what's so cool about that, Paulie, too? If there's one position where a dude can come in and make an impact on the defensive side of the ball, it's at corner. It really is, especially if you're a big man team. And that's something we're going to have to wait and see about JG and what kind of defense he actually wants to put together here right but you know i mean if you're a big man team you you can have a corner come in and say okay i i've got that guy i'm gonna line up over this guy and i've got man coverage and that raw athleticism can really take over right there if you're gonna play a ton of zone it takes a little nuance to play in that zone room for a lot of these young guys coming in, especially in college, because they're playing so much man at the college level right there. But the good news is this. That secondary over overall is really, really strong because of the safeties you have back there. I'm, I'll be curious to know about the man versus zone thing, because one of the things Jonathan Gannon talked about with his defense at the owners' meetings, and he's kind of impl- uh, intimated this before, but he's like, one of the things we want to do is we want to get turnovers. Okay, everybody says that. And we, we want to make sure they don't throw the ball over our head. And when I hear they don't, you, they don't throw the ball over our head, that, that tells me you're, you're going to lean more towards zone stuff than yeah. really manning up a lot. Shell cover, too, like so many teams like to play these, these days. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. It's, it's hard to really get a good sense because yeah. when you do ask Jonathan Gannon what they're going to do, it's, it's pretty much – uh, vague. Well, and a lot of it's vague. And, 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 and of <laughs> As course, it should be, I might add, Derb. <laughs> and, and, and his default setting is always going to be we're going to play what serves yes. our roster best. Yes. But to the cornerback equation, I think there's some sense to that in that Vance Joseph, for example, would have loved to have manned up his two corners on an island and dialed up the other nine. He just didn't necessarily have the personnel all the time. 
didn't have those elite cover corners all the time where he could execute that sort of game plan. But if you end up with Illinois' Devin Witherspoon, who ran a 4-4-2 today, right, in a private workout, who was a ridiculous shutdown corner a year ago for the Illini, he had an opponent passer rating of 29.3, and that was the lowest in D1 by a wide margin. You get Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon Wolf, six one and a half, yeah. right? Four three eight forty. Ridic- Joey Porter Jr., yes, son of the former Cardinal, six two and a half, one ninety three corner out of Penn State, who runs a four four five. I mean, there, there are guys, you know, even DJ Turner out of Michigan, who surprised everyone, ran the four two six. There are elite corners all the way. Look, top yeah. around two, for example, Cardinals top around two. If they go corner, absolutely, that's a slam dunk. Yeah, no, Paulie. I think you're right about that. Also, too, you got to remember Jonathan Gannon. Um, there were a lot of Philadelphia Eagle fans that wanted him to bring more people, wanted him to bring five and six yep. Yep. and go after a quarterback. And that was not what JG was doing in Philadelphia. And there's no doubt about it. That secondary, especially your cornerback room, can get a whole lot better if you can actually get pressure on the quarterback, which once again brings us all the way back to our guy, Will Anderson. And if you'd like to take Will Anderson at number three, oh no, even better, move back to number four. Let the Colts draft their quarterback. You move back to number four and draft Will Anderson at number four. We've got a winner, ladies and gentlemen. Well, as Kyle Vandenbosch told us, you can pick the best corners in the world, but if you don't have a pass rush, they can only cover for so long. Exactly. So it always starts with the pass rush. By the way, speaking of strong draft classes in 2023 and Jonathan Gannon, wasn't it Wolf he answered you? When you asked him about the fullback when he was first hired, right, and his answer was he laughed. He said, well, I'll say this. We want to live in 11, 12, and 13 personnel. Remember he said that? Yes. The Cardinals need tight ends. Hello. And this is a very strong draft for tight ends as well. Historically, over the first 100 picks, usually an average of four tight ends are taken. This year they said there could be as many as eight, two times the norm. That's how deep it is at tight end, Darren. I mean, I think think there's a chance they could take a tight end late. If you're paying Zach Ertz what you're paying him and you just took Trey McBride in the second round, I don't see how that's going to be a major priority at this point. That's how I see it. You need a number, but if Zach Ertz is healthy, you've got your top two tight ends already. Here's the one thing about that, though, guys. Honestly, if you're going to go with a lot of 11 personnel, and by the way, that's what the Philadelphia Eagles did. They went with a lot of 11 personnel, one back, one tight end. Man, if you want to be as balanced as the Eagles were, you got to be able to run the ball. And if you're going to run the ball, that means that tight end in 11 personnel, you better be able to kick somebody's face at the point of attack. And I don't know if you look at Zach Ertz at this point of his career, even Trey McBride, if they got that guy. Hey, maybe you're both right. To Darren's point, they go day three for a tight end, but it's a blocking tight end. Yes. Which, which would still be on the board day three. So maybe that's the way it plays out. We'll see. Hey, join the season ticket priority list. Select your seats before the general public. Because these 2023 opponents at home, not only the Seahawks, Niners, and Rams, but you have the Giants, the Cowboys, the Ravens, the Bengals and Joe Burrow, the Falcons are reloading. Just go to azcardinals.com slash priority list for more info. We roll on with the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. To Hill, he hands it off to Ingram running right. Hit in the backfield and down he goes. Rashard Lawrence was in there first. Good job of the Cardinals at the point of attack. 
That is Rashard Lawrence right there and what he does, man. Third and two on the seven. And they run Walker up the middle. He's hit, and he's dropped back at the 10-yard line, Rashard Lawrence. Wow, he makes a difference, David. He does. He shows up with their rush defense on the inside. He's settled in as an excellent nose tackle. No question about that. When he's on the field, he is a difference maker. You guys know when you stand on the Cardinals practice field during camp, guys who play the defensive line position, they immediately cite his get-off, just his burst. The way he's be able to penetrate and get upfield instantly, just can he stay on the field? And if you're looking for maybe a precedent for Rashard Lawrence, how about, oh, I don't know, a Zach Allen who dealt with a lot of injuries his first few years in the league, then had a breakout season this past campaign, maybe just maybe. Best case scenario, Rashard Lawrence is that guy 2023 as we wrap up this edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Darren Urban, and Ron Wolfley and Wolf in terms of importance, right? We've talked about the Cardinals and Will Anderson as a pass rusher, that edge guy. But what about the interior D-line and just defensive line depth in general? Where do you rate that as a priority for Monty Austin Ford? Yeah, Paulie, I think it's huge. It really is. This is something we all were talking about in regard to rebuilding this roster and the fact that that rebuilding of the roster was going to start on the line of scrimmage, the offensive line, of course, and the defensive line. And we've seen the Arizona Cardinals go out and address those two areas right there. I think of Will Hernandez, of course, and Calvin Beecham, those signings right now. You know how much I love those two guys and love those signings right there from the Arizona Cardinals because it speaks to the physicality of the offense that I think they're they want to be able to run well you got to carry that over to the defensive side of the ball as well they got a bunch of guys right now that have played in the nfl a bunch of guys that aren't going to the pro bowl but a bunch of guys that could be glue guys hopefully they're going to continue to compete once they get that opportunity on the football field and to me um i think they'd love to improve with a little Jalen Carter, is that a possibility if they move down? If they were to trade with the Tennessee Titans and move back, maybe Jalen Carter falls that much. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe the Seahawks take him at five. I don't know. But at some point in time, you need to address the defensive line, and I think they'd love to be able to do that if they could. You had an interview, azcardinals.com, Darren, where you talked to a guy, former first-round pick of the Seahawks. Here was his quote after signing with the Cardinals. I get to see the Seahawks two times a year, and I'm excited about that. It's a fresh opportunity. I appreciate these guys taking the chance on me. They could have gotten anybody, and they went with me. I'm going to make sure they don't regret that. Give me what the sense was when LJ Collier said that to you. Oh, I, you know, I think he's very – I mean, here's a guy who, again, a first-round pick uh, – didn't quite pan out in Seattle in his four years. Uh, missed a little time with injury. Wasn't active a few times. Wasn't hugely productive. And I think he very well knows that he wasn't hugely productive. And I'm sure that came up when they didn't pick up his fifth round, a uh, fifth year option, and let him walk after his fourth year. So um, I, I think he's again aware that he's got some things to prove, and he says he's going to do that now saying it when you're signing and and doing it on the field are two different things but if you're talking about wanting somebody who's motivated and in fact one of the quotes he had in there or one of the parts of the quote was one of the reasons he wants to do well is so he can make more money which i don't have a problem with that being a motivational factor (laughs) that's right and and he's not 
he didn't sign for a ton of money here. So if he has a big year, then he's going to make money. And guess what? A one-year contract should be motivating. Yeah. Because it's now or never as far as that goes. How about a Carlos Watkins who just signed over from the Cowboys? I bring that up because we're talking 69 career games, 36 starts, well, five career sacks. But it's amazing the blowback from, from all the Cowboys fans that they're really disappointed he moved on. And we know the Cowboys are loaded along that defensive line. So slowly but surely, Monte Asavort has built some depth along this defensive line. They have about 10 guys right now in that room. And it's seemingly at the start of the year after Zach Allen took off and J.J. Watt retired, you're like, man, okay, who's left? Yeah, no, you're right about that, Paulie, once again, too. And I see a lot of guys that are pros, you know. I see a lot of guys that are going to compete on the line of scrimmage. Um, We'll see how it goes. But I think one of the strategies here from Jonathan Gannon and the coaching staff is to raise the floor. You've heard me talk about this, Paulie. Raise the floor and the talent level of the floor on this roster as opposed to raising the ceiling and not having a good base, a good foundation. That's what's going to be really interesting to me as well, to watch, to see if they can do that. And it looks like to me on the defensive line, That has been the strategy right now. Go out and get guys that have played games in the National Football League. Go out and get guys that have started games in the National Football League and try to build that floor and raise that floor up on that talent level on the D-line. And guess what? If accountability was an issue last year and complacency went along with that, almost every guy in that defensive line room is on a one-year deal or an approve-it year. Every single guy. So you got to figure the hunger is going to be there. Yeah. The competitive, competitiveness is going to be there. And, and, Darren, we've talked about this on Cardinals Underground, the podcast. I think every bit of building this team and rebuilding this roster is instilling a mindset as much as it is a skill set. I, I would agree with that. And, and the thing is, is when you have all these guys, I mean, they've, they've signed a bunch of free agents, a lot of names, just a bunch of names, not just on the defensive line, but always. But, like, there's no guarantee that any of these guys make the final roster. Right. Nobody's signing a contract in such a way that, yeah, oh yeah, he's absolutely going to be here. Maybe maybe because they're white and, and I, maybe Zach Pascal. But the rest of them, I, I'm not 100%. Now, they, some of them are going to have better chances than others. But am I going to get shocked if any of these guys are on the, on the, the cuts and, and this year they're making it so it's, there's only one cut down? So what, what's your reaction, Darren, when I say the name Jalen Carter? Is it a possibility for a team that flamed out with Robert Kandichi, arguably the most talented player in that draft pound for pound, albeit he went at number 29 as opposed to a top 10 pick? Do you think Jalen Carter is a possibility? We know it's a need for the Cardinals at, at that position. three or just period? If they trade down, I would surmise. I don't know. I'll be honest. I have not heard a whole lot of Jalen Carter uh, around this team, and that doesn't mean anything necessarily. Um, but sometimes that can be by design. The player they name also the least. True, but but he is a guy who everybody keeps saying. Will Anderson's motor is unbelievable. You you don't hear that with Jalen Carter. No, you don't. And after <laughs> no. and and what we've all found with defensive linemen is if you don't have somewhat of a motor, it's very easy not to have a motor. For a big defensive lineman, and that would that would just frighten me as a really high pick. Can I throw out Jordan Phillips a couple of years ago? Yeah, 
How, frust- yeah. how frustrating is it to watch a massive defensive lineman <laughs> with all that athleticism mailed in two out of every three snaps? Yeah, yeah. boy, you really have to wonder too. Jalen Carter, and uh, you know, okay, he he was. He was a guy that a lot of people were saying could be the first player taken in the draft. Um, That is not probably going to be the case. As we all know, it's going to be a quarterback. But can you imagine the the Raiders sitting there at seven, guys? Could Jalen Carter be there at seven if the Cardinals were to trade to the Raiders and let the Raiders come up and get a little Anthony Richardson maybe at number three, and then all of a sudden you go back to number seven. Yeah, I could see that being a possibility. Maybe, maybe, depending on how far he falls, even with Tennessee at 11. And look, a lot of a lot of these mock drafts right now have the Bears in number nine taking Jalen Carter, so we'll see. Uh, you, know, well, that, you know, he's not taking any visits with – Got, uh, teams yeah. outside the top ten, so he's pretty confident. Yeah, yeah. which rules Bad. out, which might rule out a lot of teams trading into the top ten to pick him. That's where the mistake might be by Drew Rosenhaus, his agent. All I know is when I watch that pro day, and he's completely out of shape, yeah. and not finishing drills. How can that not be a red flag, Ron Wolfley? How can that it not? Is, Paul. I, it's got to be. It is. It is a red flag right now. You have to wonder: Was he thinking too much about his? His incident, his accident, and what happened. And, you know, I don't care at that point in time. That is a massive red flag. At least it is to me. Hey, uh, Season 6, Episode 2 of Cardinals Flight Plan, streaming right now via the Cardinals YouTube page at youtube.com slash azcardinals. By the way, news today, we have another player who's going to wear number zero. It's Marvin Jones of the Lions. So that makes five. Oh, I got one more. Oh, you do? Yeah. Breaking news. Zach Pascal. Really? Oh, Oh, I did not know that. Wow. It was worth the wait here on the Big Red Race. There you go. (laughs) Although, that ruins my plan of giving Will Anderson number zero and letting him wear number zero off the edge for the next decade. I don't know. We don't want him wearing zero, Paul. Why not? Because, Paul, we have no time. Double zero, like Jim Otto. All right, that'll do it. Darren Irvin, Ron Wolfley, Jim Omohunder, on Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. You've been listening to The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.